I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks of the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd, and today I have with me Rivka. How are you today, Rivka? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. Um, Tell me about any invitations you have been working on. Um, So I continue to... uh, (laughs) Well, what I've continued to record answers to prayers that I... Um, I'm saying, and I'm continuing to appreciate, um, maybe, I don't think I'm receiving more answers than I have in the past, but I'm recognizing them a little more, and I'm certainly appreciating them a great deal more as answers from Heavenly Father. And so that has been a great practice, and um, I'm, I'm grateful for that challenge that was offered by President Nelson. Awesome. I love it. Fantastic. And I also have with me today, Burke. How are you today, Burke? I'm doing quite well. Great. Any invitations you want to report on for us? So the new one I've been working on is adding to my daily scripture study, um, some study from Talmud's Jesus the Christ. Um, Great. That was at your recommendation, Todd. And it was a good recommendation. And yeah, I think I just wrapped up the fourth chapter this morning. So Ooh, you're going to pass me. Getting getting closer here to at least being near the material that we'll start teaching here in a week or two. So, Yeah, great. And now did you, are you going with the old school version or did you look for that one with notes that I did? I about? did get the one with notes. So I have added those notes as well and they are mm. helpful. Great, greatly yeah. enjoying them. Awesome. I love hearing his original um, you know, words, and he just has such a distinctive way of writing. And then he has follow-up notes, which sort of clarify maybe some more, uh, maybe less like doctrinal things and more historical things or items of interest. And then the modern, you know, updated historical things that say, well, actually now we know that this city was this far from the, the other city or whatever, you know, something silly like that. Yep. But it all builds the context and, um, and then adds in some more doctrine from Joseph Smith and things like that. So, yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, I am working on uh, also recording things like Rivka, and I am working on studying the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. And today is Friday. We are going, by the time this comes out, um, close to a week from now, um, in our ward, we will have just issued an invitation to all the youth to read the entire Book of Mormon in 90 days. So we know it's not a Book of Mormon year, it's New Testament year, but I had personally been feeling the, just a strong prompting repeatedly to get back into the Book of Mormon. And and I've talked on the podcast before about how I've done that, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. Um, and then in conjunction with that, the um, young women's president was feeling like the youth um, could do with getting back into that. And then we had this great um, second hour 
teacher training or whatever they call them now, teacher council meeting, um, where you basically talk about how to be better teachers. And we reviewed the section where Elder Uchtdorf talks about challenging or inviting people to be lifelong learners. And then, of course, this week's section of Come Follow Me is about we are responsible for our own learning. And boy, did I ever feel convicted during that meeting. Like it was just like someone rang a bell in my head over and over that I needed to repent because I spent a lot of time with the youth and encouraging them to be lifelong learners is not a phrase I would ever use to describe what I was doing. Um, Certainly I was doing lots of other things and helping them grow spiritually and and grow their testimonies and all those things. But um, it just was a, like a, a hammer on an anvil that said, you know, encourage them to be lifelong learners. So step one is help them get back in the Book of Mormon. So I'm going to join with them. I'm going to um, finish it in 90 days now. Before I was just reading one chapter a day, I'm going to accelerate that and and finish it by the end of the 90 days. So um, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Fantastic. That's a good one. That's like uh, six, super... pages a day, six pages a day or something, right? Is yeah. That I, so, well, so... Because it's 2022, all I did was put in my app that I wanted to finish it in 90 days. <laughs> and so now oh, that's right. every day I just will get a reminder that says, now you got to read two chapters or three chapters or whatever the case may be. So it just calculates it for me. Awesome. So, um, and the Young Women's President is going to bring some charts for people to take home and, you know, fill in little, little squares. So it's going to be great. Well, um, that was a long explanation, but I thought it was relevant. And now we're going to move into our talk, which today is Are You Still Willing? by Elder Kevin W. Pearson of the 70. And we will start out with Rivka today. Rivka, what was the fundamental doctrine you pulled out from this talk? Well, speaking of things that bring like conviction, that was this talk a bit for me. (laughs) Mm. Read it and it just, every, every time I would read it or listen to it, it just kind of a little deeper like, there are some things that you need to work on. So yeah, it was a, it was a little like Alma five, I think. Yes. Yes. I was thinking about how many times he asked questions in here, but, um, and I really don't like, I had a hard time choosing what is my, I don't know, fundamental thing, but I will, um, I, this, uh, this is, this part is probably it. He brings up um, an experience he had on Sunday when he was partaking of the sacrament and, and that ordinance was going on and he was listening to the words of the prayer and they were hitting him with some significance. And this is the first question he asks in the talk, how many times have we witnessed unto God that we are willing? Because that is one of the phrases in the sacrament prayer. Um, and he said, I understood clearly in that moment that keeping my covenant, my covenants must be more than good intentions. Partaking of the sacrament is not a passive religious ritual implying our mere consent. It is a powerful reminder of the reality of the Savior's infinite atonement and the need to always remember him and keep his commandments. Willingness to focus on the Savior is so crucial, it is the central message of the two most quoted scriptures in the church, the sacrament prayers. So, first of all, I had never thought really about those being quoted scriptures. 
Like th- they're yeah. quoting yeah. scripture. So when I read that sentence, I was like, I, I have to stop and think about that for a second, that these are the most quoted scriptures, the sacrament prayers. And then, and then the question, that fundamental doctrine is that our willingness um, to focus on the Savior is that is so crucial that it's that central message for the scriptures that we hear every week. I love it. Yeah. What a powerful opening here. Just talking about not just the principle that he teaches, but the example he's setting about pondering something new or, you know, something that we've heard over and over a new, in a new way, looking at it with fresh eyes. So yeah, yeah, what a, what a great start. Um, I don't think you read this this sentence, Rivka. It's right before the the part about partaking of the sacrament. Mm-hmm. He said, "I understood clearly in that moment that keeping my covenants must be more than good intentions." Yeah. Um, and so I I'm sorry if you did read it, but uh, that w- that was like the center of the chiasm there that he built. You know, for me, um, that he, you know we not we have to be willing. And not just willing, we have to act on that. It, we can't just say like, yeah, sure, you know, it would be great to to be a follower of Christ. No, we, it, our covenants are more than just good intentions. So that was awesome. Yeah. Okay, um, Burke, how about you? What was the fundamental doctrine for you? So I did mark all of the things that you have read so far. Um, and I actually... <laughs> Mark dueling fundamental doctrines for this one. So I still have another. Um, So I have to read the read and, and I'm going to repeat. I'm pretty sure that I read this quote or I, well, said this quote earlier when we were still up in New Hampshire together doing our post-conference wrap up. Um, But I'm going to say it again because I like it. And he says, if we embrace (laughs) the narrative that the church consists primarily of outdated or politically incorrect social policies, unrealistic personal restrictions and time commitments, then our conclusions about willingness will be flawed. We should not expect the principle of willingness to trend positively with social media influencers or TikTok enthusiasts. And here comes my fundamental doctrine. The precepts of men rarely align with divine truth, period. Yeah. Boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Rarely. (laughs) Like he didn't say almost never, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so how does that play out in our lives? Um, you know, he, he made some references there, but yeah. What what does that mean to our day to day? Uh, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't always enjoy being part of the peculiar people. I don't know how you feel about that. (laughs) Sometimes I want to feel like I'm part of the mainstream people. Um, and, uh, that doesn't appear to go along with what he's saying here. So, Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, people are, we're pack animals, right? Like we, we want to be with other people and it's hard to feel like we are way out of step sometimes with what the world is doing. But, you know, based on that last sentence you read, the precepts of men rarely align with divine truth that basically we're always going to be out of step with the world. Right. Yeah. Or as, um, elder Nelson said, well, president Nelson, when he was elder Nelson, I believe several years ago, 50 million people can be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that. (laughs) I'm going to put that like 2015 ish, but I could be wrong. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. I like how you worked in an elder Nelson quote here. That's just, (laughs) just part of your fundamental doctrine. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I actually 
also marked a second fundamental doctrine? Is that allowed? Um, I did it. So yes, you too. at least two. <laughs> and this one was a quote from elder or president Ezra Taft Benson, mm-hmm. who yeah. I do not believe has made a, uh, an appearance in the fundamental doctrine section of the, uh, the podcast yet. Um, except for the talk we did on pride, right? Yeah. Um, or the book of Mormon, whichever one it was. Pride. Um, it was pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pride. Okay, great. My memory has not fully failed me. Um, and it's sort of in the middle of the talk. He says the great task of life and the cost of discipleship is to learn the will of the Lord and then do it. Wow. How about boil our whole lives down to one sentence? I mean, can it get any clearer than that? Find the will of the Lord and do it. Yeah. And and if you and want a checklist for that, then you just Elder Klebengott's two talks he've given. <laughs> checklist. Yeah. <Yes. laughs> uh, actually, this pairs very well with his talk. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar style and and feel to them. So, okay. Well, Rivka, let's go back to you. What else do you want to highlight from this talk? Um. So after he said all of that, and the precepts of men rarely align with divine truth. He says the church is a gathering place for imperfect individuals who love God and who are willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That willingness is rooted in the reality that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. This divine truth can be known only by the power of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, our willingness is directly proportionate to the amount of time we commit to be in holy places where the influence of the Holy Ghost is present. That was one of those things <laughs> that just yikes convicted, but I like oh. that it's a mathematical formula. So <laughs> it is. That's true. It is a mathematical formula and that is nice because it's extremely clear. Um, but that, wow. You know, like that's one of those things where you sit there for a second and you're like, Oh geez, if I do this mathematical formula for say the last week of my life, I do not think that, I don't think that balances very well. Um, so our willingness is directly proportionate to the amount of time we commit to be in holy places where the influence of the Holy Ghost is present. So I like that he expands on, the, the sentence doesn't end after holy places. He tells us what a holy place is, which is a place where the influence of the Holy Ghost is present. Otherwise, I think we might be tempted to think he's talking about the temple or at church. Right. And and we can't spend every day in the temple. I mean, unless you're one of those, you know, really old grandmas who goes every single day. But that's not a huge percentage of the population. And for a lot of members of the church, regularly attending the temple might look like once a year or every couple of years. And so I'm grateful that he that he defined holy places as places where the influence of the Holy ghost is present. And then he, he gives us a couple of paragraphs where he talks about place things that bring the Holy ghost into, into our lives. And I didn't, I sort of made a list, but I did also make kind of a, this versus that. What, what is a sort of list? (laughs) Yeah. It's not, it's not numbered. It's oh, just it's a list that you don't want to admit that you made. <laughs> well, I so it's not really... a ranked list. 
But I wasn't really <laughs> making a list. I was kind of noticing that he was comparing things, but then there were several of them, so it was a sort of list. Gotcha. Um, I see. Yeah, it's a list. Being one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, so he says we would do well to spend more time in meaningful conversation, discussing our concerns with a loving Father in Heaven, and less time seeking the opinions of other voices. That's one thing that he said. And so I, my verses thing, I think I chose podcasts for the alliterative quality of it, but also because, I don't know, we're doing that right now. So I put prayer versus podcasts because so many of us try to listen to educational things and get ideas from good sources. There's no problem with that. But if I'm Mm -hmm. looking at at a balance sheet, am I spending as much time in in prayer and then creating an environment where I can listen and hear answers as I am trying to get information from podcasts or YouTube videos or things. So prayer versus podcast. Rivka, can I jump in before you go on with your list? Yeah. I mean your your quote unquote (laughs) list. Um so I I really feel so strongly that one of Satan's most powerful tactics um is right right there when you said like hey there's there's no problem with that it's fine it's it's something good it's a good information source mm-hmm. so many people in the church um he tries to distract them with good cuz he knows he can't distract them with bad or terrible right so he stop he wants you to take yes. hit good and stop instead of going from good to godly yeah um, so you know, that, that is, and it doesn't feel like it's coming from Satan because it's good, right? Like, Hey, I'm learning a new skill or I learned this cool thing about history or whatever. But the primary influence in that setting is not the Holy ghost. Most of the time it it's, it's secular, not that you can't ever do those things or whatever. And that's part of life, but finding that balance of continuing to have the Holy ghost in your life and not stopping, not being satisfied with good moving from good to godly. Right. So, and I think another thing, like I was thinking podcasts because I thought I, I love when we hear from people who listen to this podcast and I love doing this podcast. And I always hope that we are not the only thing, <laughs> like their only connection right. with, with the gospel. That would be not, that would be really not ideal. Like this should be a thing that adds to what, what they're mostly doing, which I hope is reading scriptures and, and praying and reading the conference talks for themselves and having that time where through the spirit, we can converse with the heavens and they converse back with us. So it is that like, yes, it's, it's what you said. It's, it's stuff that is good, but, but not enough. It's not sufficient. So there's, there's that. Then he says, we could also choose to change our daily news feeds to the words of Christ and the Holy scriptures and to prophetic words of his living prophets. So I wrote daily news versus the good news of the gospel. Ooh, well done. And and I I would actually say I I did this a number of years ago where I used to in the morning when I get to drive, get up to drive, I would listen to news or whatever else. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I changed that to, the come follow me passages for that week and the scriptures and the, always the book of Mormon every day. And then also these talks and my mornings are very different since I made that change. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thank Brooke. you, Burke. Yeah. And again, this isn't saying never listen to the news. 
But on balance, where are you spending most of your time? Are you spending most of the time that you're, <laughs> that you're um, consuming things with secular versus spiritual? Um, and then the third thing that he says, he says the importance we place on our Sabbath day observance, paying an honest tithe, holding a current temple recommend, attending the temple and honoring our sacred temple covenants are all powerful indicators of our willingness and evidence of our commitment. Are we willing to put forth more than a superficial effort into strengthening our faith in Christ? And so for that one, I wrote covenant keeping versus superficial observances. And I thought this is, well, I had two thoughts about this. One, this is something that we are going to see repeatedly as we study the first part of the New Testament this year, because the Savior tried to work so hard with the Pharisees, <laughs> calling them out and trying to help them see that the superficial observances were distracting them from recognizing him as the Messiah. And that's what they thought they were waiting for the Messiah, you know, and they knew the scriptures and they were doing all of these things. And here he is standing in front of them. And they don't recognize him because they, they thought the super the superficial observances were the same thing as, as deeply understanding the covenants that we make and keeping them. So that was one thing I thought. And then the second thing was as I was reading it just the the earlier today, like my last read through, was all of a sudden I thought, do you know what? One of the things that happened, so Elder Uchtdorf at the beginning of the conference introduced the new For the Strength of Youth pamphlet. And one of the coolest things about the updated revision that they did of it is that at the end of each section, you probably know this, Todd, they have indeed questions mm-hmm. from the Temple Recommend interview. That's the last thing in each of the sections. Here are the questions. And so that whole entire book of of standards and encouragement to follow the Savior, Jesus Christ, is given, like we're being, anytime you read that, you're being given a reminder right at the end of that about the covenants that we've made and ways that we can work on keeping them. And so I just, that came to my mind as I was reading this too. Like, this is so important. Even the youth are being taught this specifically and and really, um, not like in a roundabout way, very directly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I loved all of that, Rivka. And uh, the the quest to rename the podcast Rivka's Ramb- Ramblings oh continues. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's true. No, but genuinely um, fantastic insights. Burke, did you have anything to add to that discussion? How can you add to Rivka's Ramblings? They're complete in and of themselves. (laughs) Indeed, it is true. Um, Let's see. We are running low on time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read two one-liners that Aaliyah loved, and I'm going to um, lean on her to record about them. (laughs) And that way, we don't have to feel obligated to talk about them. And then I'll come back to you, Burke, with another um, thing that you want to highlight from the talk. So. Um, the first one that I know Aaliyah loved is when he said, discipleship is not cheap because the companionship of the Holy Ghost is priceless. I marked that so good. Me too. Oh, so good. And then the next one is casual and inconsistent covenant keeping leads to spiritual casualty. 
Yep. Um, I, I think Aaliyah loved that one too. Yeah. And for so, that, for that one, I, I, one thing you have to add, and I'm pretty sure I said this before as well, you go back to, um, April, 2018, uh, elder Wakolo's talk where he said, I can find it here in contrast, when we are casual shepherds of our own soul and other souls, casualties are likely casualness leads to casualties. Yeah. So I love it. Great. Well, you can you can expound on either of those, Burke, or you can just continue on to another quote that you want to highlight because there are so many. Well, I feel like there's a couple of good ones here. So um, he says, Heavenly Father loves us perfectly, but that love comes with great expectations. So I love how he throws like a warm hug in there and then a fist to the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this is for you, Todd, two things. He says here, the Book of Mormon is our most powerful res- resource for growing and restoring our faith. So kudos Yay. to you Love for it. being on the page of that. And then just past there, he says, however, we are that we might have joy. Focusing on the Savior and our covenants brings lasting joy. So Yay. Being a joyful person, I thought I would throw in the joy quote here. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Rivka, anything else from here that you wanted to highlight for us? Um, maybe just these couple of quotes that kind of go along with the casual thing that you said. And then earlier when we were talking about the being distracted by good things, one, he said, carnal security is seeking for and trusting in worldly things instead of Christ. In other words, looking through a secular lens instead of a spiritual lens. I love that he gave us a really great definition. Yeah. I marked that that as well because I had never thought about what carnal security was before. And now I know. Yeah. Yes, because we I hear love that it. all the time, right? He'll pacify and lull them away into carnal security. And so I really am grateful for him saying that this is carnal security, seeing things through a secular lens instead of a spiritual lens. Um, and then he talks uh, a little bit about placing Christ at the center of our lives and pledging our willingness to obey And he brings up the parable of the foolish virgins, well, the 10 virgins, but he talks about the foolish virgins and and what happened there. And he says, this one struck me too. Many leave the Savior and their covenants long before they leave his church. And I think that is a really succinct way of stating the pattern and why it's so dangerous to be lulled by good things that are insufficient in in bringing us closer to Jesus Christ. Yes. I love it. Thank you, Rivka. Um, I think the kernel security line really harkens back to Burke's. It's sort of the opposite of what Burke said, or no, not parallel something. I don't know. It goes well with what Burke said about, um, you know, the precepts of men rarely align with divine truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if you're relying on worldly things, looking through a secular lens, you're, going to be misaligned with divine truth just by the very nature of it. So yeah, um, we just cannot rely on the worldly approach or we'll go astray. So fantastic. Um, let's talk about some invitations here or promises. Basically, every question was an invitation, yeah, I think. I thought the same <laughs> thing. I marked a bunch of them. Oh, <laughs> uh, So we can highlight any that we want. Um, one that I wanted to bring out was Let's see, towards the end, um, after a President Nelson quote at the end of that paragraph, he says, what changes in your personal life would enable you to have the influence of the Holy Ghost more constantly? And I feel like this is something that 
we could think about every week when taking the sacrament. So, you know, it started with that story about being willing from the sacrament prayer. And if you asked yourself this question every week during the sacrament, how would it change your sacrament experience? What change do I need to make this week as I take the sacrament and renew my covenants that would allow me to have the Holy Ghost more constantly? And and that phrase is so powerful. It's not perfectly or all the time or um, whatever the case may be, but more constantly just gives this beautiful picture of continuing more and more to get rid of those worldly influences and add in those spiritual influences. So I loved it. Yeah. Um, Burke, how about you? Any that you want to highlight? Um, so this I felt like was an invitation and a blessing, although he doesn't really use that wording. He says, if our spiritual foundation is built solidly on Jesus Christ, we will not fall and we need not fear. So the invitation is to do these things and solidify our foundation and then to know that we will not fall and we need not fear. And it's always interesting to me when they say we need not fear because I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I don't have to, but, <laughs> but I'm good at it. So, you know, I, I like, <laughs> I like to work it in there, you know, <laughs> but, but for me to kind of remind myself that that's fearing is not a requirement of life, even though I, I often make it one. So. Oh, doubt not fear not. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of a commandment. Actually. Kind of is. Yeah. Just one more thing at which I am not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and Rivka, how about you? Um, any other invitations that you wanted to highlight that spoke to you? Um, well, the question that you shared is the third in a row that he gives. Um, he quotes President Nelson um, saying, In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And he says, this is a clear and unmistakable warning to trim our lamps and increase our spiritual oil reserves. Then he asks, are we willing to follow the living prophets? What is the level of spiritual oil in your lamp? What ch- what changes in your personal life would enable you to have the influence of the Holy Ghost more co- um, constantly? And off to the side of that, I just wrote, like, these are questions for a good personal audit. Like, if we're going to audit our accounts for <laughs> spiritual deposits of oil... What these are good questions. Are we still willing to follow the living prophets? That is becoming a more and more significant question in the world. And then maybe take a look at what is the level of spiritual oil in your lamp. And then what what can you do to increase that level of spiritual oil? Because we're going to need the reserves. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I love yeah. it. And I and I would uh argue that the precepts of men rarely align with the prophetic words of his living prophets. Oh, <laughs> I love it. We just, that was some old Testament poetry. Like, you know, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. I love it, Burke. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a great one. I love how he ends. May we always be willing. Um, I hope that this talk helped us all feel more willing to follow the prophet follow the Savior, and really put the Savior at the center of our life. As we were closing there with those invitations, I was reminded of what Sister Craig said in the last talk that we covered, where all those things might feel overwhelming to some people and might seem like, well, I can never actually do all of that, so Mm -hmm. why am I even going to try? And I, I loved when she said, well, 
if it just feels impossible, then, then maybe the next step is just to ask for help. Um, you know, rather than sitting down and like carving out, I'm going to study the scriptures three hours a day and I'm going to go to the temple eight times a week and whatever it is. Um, next step is, you know, somebody who's close to you, please help me to just take one more step. And maybe that's the the next thing that we can be willing to do. Um, even if that person is, is the savior um, or someone, you know, here on earth who's willing to help us, any of those people. So. Well, the next talk we're going to discuss is Courage to Proclaim the Truth by Elder Denelson Silva of the 70. Um, in the meantime, you can get a hold of us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks everyone for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. Hola a todos, yo soy la hermana Ebert y hoy quiero hablar acerca del discurso. Just kidding. Anyways, um, hello again. It's been a while, but today I'm going to make my return to Words of the Prophets podcast. And I'm starting with a talk wholehearted. Um, and it's by Sister Michelle D. Craig. Um, and I listened to this. I didn't highlight it because I was just listening, so it might take a second for me to find things that I liked, but um, I do remember a part that I really liked, and it was something along the lines of, like, um, he, like, Jesus Christ is the point, and, like, the end path. Hold on. I Okay. Here we go. The point of walking the covenant path is to approach the Savior. He is the point, not our perfect progress. It is not a race and we must not compare a journey to others. Um, so I thought that was really cool that like the point of everything is Jesus Christ um, and becoming like him and just him. Like he's, he is the, the way and he's also the, like it makes, he makes it possible to have the way and to do the way anyways. So he's pretty important. <laughs> um, and that line that she said about um, like, it's not a race. There's a really good BYU speech called Wrestling with Comparisons. Um, I can't remember his name. Something Hawes, maybe. Um, but he talks about how the race is against sin, not against others. Um, and you can only compare yourself to your past self and not to other people. Um, and so I think as we walk this path of life... We try and become wholehearted in our approach to the Savior. Um, we can definitely stop focusing as much on other people and focus more on Jesus Christ <laughs> and compare ourselves to ourselves and to him and not to anyone else. Um, but anyways, I love the story she shares of Emily and her brothers pranking her. <laughs> that was so funny to me. Um, and it just, it's so accurate I think not to everyone but to a lot of people they just like don't even consider doing something um and I tend to err on the opposite side where I feel like I can do more than I actually can and I like really want to do things but I just like can't because I don't I, I focus too much on what I don't have control on but um the good thing is that we can um, receive guidance from the spirit on like what we can do, like what we can act on. 
Um, and then we can have faith that when the Spirit tells us to do something, we can do it because God makes things possible. Um, he doesn't give us commandments without making a way to do it. So, pretty, pretty sick. Um, just like the lepers who were told, like, you'll be healed if you go. And so they went and then they were healed. So, yeah. Um, pretty cool. I'm trying to find another place that I really liked. I just really liked her last kind of testimony where she says, like, I choose to stand with the Lord. I choose to stand with his chosen servants. And it was just very powerful to hear her so openly proclaim, like, the path of life that she's chosen. And I feel like that's a kind of commitment that we all need to make, that we will never, ever, ever leave the path, ever, for any reason, and that we will stand by our Savior and by his servants. Um, and it might not take us saying that in front of thousands of people to make it, you know, solidified, but that I think is something that we need to all do, a commitment, commitment we need to make. But yeah, so... Um, I'm glad to be back. I don't know how much I'll keep going, but this time around in my mission, I have a little bit more time on um, preparation day to do things like this, so probably more will come, but yeah. Um, trying to remember, how did I used to end these? Hold on. Oh, it was... Um, okay, wait. <laughs> I think it was guarde la fe. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Hola a todos. Uh, yo soy la hermana Ebert, and today I'm going to talk about the talk, Are You Still Willing? by Elder Pearson. And man, oh man, this talk was so good. This is probably my favorite um, talk of, like, probably the whole conference, honestly. Um, I remember listening to it and being like, wow. <laughs> um, the whole thing is very Alma 5 vibes, like just drilling questions that are like so soul searching and like, I don't know. It's really good. It's great for self-reflection. Um, so where to even begin? Oh man, there's so much, there's so much good stuff. I'm going to go, th I'm going to, I'm going to start at the beginning. So he first starts and talks about the sacrament and he says that partaking of the sacrament is not a passive religious ritual implying our mere consent and I was like dang because <laughs> I think so many of us are just like it's we do it every week and we just like it feels passive it's like we consent you know but it's more than that it's a powerful reminder it can like renew the covenants we made at baptism and help us to have that spirit with us all the time um and we we literally commit to always remember him and be willing to do all these things that we say that we'll do and that i think is more serious than sometimes i've um i don't know thought of it as but i love that he just has like questions sprinkled throughout like is our own spiritual foundation built solidly on jesus christ that's a good question are we willing to put forth more than a superficial effort into strengthening our faith in christ that's also a good question so <laughs> i kind of want to go through i don't know if i'll do this or not but i kind of want to go through and 
and write every question and then like write my answer to it. But who knows if I'll do that, but maybe you can do that. Um, another thing he said is that our willingness is directly proportionate to the amount of time we commit to be in holy places where the influence of the Holy Ghost is present. And I think that a holy place where a whole where the Holy Ghost can be can be more than just like a physical location. Like it could be a house, temple, church, nature, library, whatever. But it could also be the music you listen to, or it could be the books you read. Or it could be the prayers that you say, at, like, by your bed every night, you know? And, like, if you're not willing to say a prayer at night, then <laughs> would you be willing to do all the other much harder things that God has asked you? And so I think the small and simple things, um, and just, like, refining them, like, consecrating the time and the places that we have... Um, is kind of what he's, is like directly proportionate to willingness, which we covenant to be willing. Um, so then later in the talk, he says, Heavenly Father loves us perfectly, but that love comes with great expectations. And of course, of course, I thought of Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. Um, it's kind of like the two go hand in hand. And I think... The world loves high love, loves those that awesome like expression of love, but the world doesn't really appreciate those high expectations. Um, it it tends to see those as like overbearing, overwhelming, impossible, um, controlling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the world is like, oh yeah, God can love you, but He won't expect you to be anything better than you are. But that's a lie. <laughs> Um, God loves us perfectly and therefore he has expectations. If he didn't love us so perfectly, he might not have those expectations. But if I love someone, I want them to be happy and be the best selves they can be because they will be happy. So therefore God expects the same thing of us. Um, and so, and, and more than just giving us those expectations, he gave us a way to do that. And he talks about having faith in Jesus Christ and it's a choice and, you know, Jesus Christ willingly helps us out. So we have to be willing to use that, you know. Um, and I love, he says, willingness is the catalyst of faith. That's pretty cool. Um, and then he says, the great task, or I think he's actually quoting someone here. Hold on. There's a footnote. Um, Ezra Taft Benson says, the great task of life and then Elder Pearson adds, and the cost of discipleship is to learn the will of the Lord and then to do it. And that to me goes right hand in hand with what our current prophet has been telling us that in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the constant influence of the Holy Ghost. So we have to learn how to interpret the will of the Lord and then act on it. Um, and like, that's what discipleship is essentially. Um, and he says the central purpose of every commandment, principle, covenant, and ordinance is to build faith and trust in Christ. And one of my good friends from my mission, um, I was talking to her like a year ago <laughs> about the temple. Um, and she said that the first time she went through, she just like had this crystal clear understanding that everything in there pointed to Jesus Christ. And she says that, like, she didn't know how 
like she she didn't know exactly how it all pointed but she just like the spirit just told her in that moment so strongly like everything there points to Jesus Christ um and so I think it's really like perspective changing when we see it that way because we can't get into the the habit of like almost worshiping the outward ordinance or expression versus worshiping the savior through the ordinance and outward expression um and if we go into the temple or into sacrament or into a baptism or into any other ordinance and we're thinking is how can i build my faith and trust in jesus christ through this then that's essentially what elder pearson is saying is the purpose of that um so um there's another quote in here that my dear father wanted me to talk about and it is fantastic he says discipleship is not cheap because the companionship of the holy ghost is priceless woof fire it's so good i remember hearing that and like everything changed i was like wow he's so right and now every time i teach people about the gift of the holy ghost it's like i just can't express to them how meaningful it is because i didn't even really fully understand it until i heard that the disciple the cost of discipleship is high because the gifts that god gives us is we literally could never even imagine paying it on our own and one of the greatest gifts he gives is given to eight-year-olds every day (laughs) um like, every member of my family has that gift, and it's so invaluable. And one of my other good friends from a mission, um, she's my MTC companion, and we were companions for two more transfers in the field, so almost a third of my mission I was companions with her. And she's a convert. She was She's officially spent more time as a missionary than as just a normal member of the church as of right now. Um, but she was baptized a year before she left, and she said that she paid really close attention to the difference between the Holy Ghost and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I, I don't know the difference personally, because I don't remember what it was like before I was eight. Um, I, I didn't pay attention to that when I was seven. So, but she says that there's a a pretty clear difference and that when you don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, you have to work a lot harder to like feel its influence or receive revelation but with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's just on call all the time. Um, and I think that is so powerful that we have the literal member of the Godhead. Like, the Godhead <laughs> with us all the time. Always. That is so cool. And, like, just the list of blessings that come from just the gift of the Holy Ghost can fix pretty much every situation you're in. Like, the Holy Ghost can turn you to Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost can give you comfort and light and guidance and revelation when you are making a decision. The Holy Ghost can testify to you if something is true or not so that you know who to follow and who not to or what's true and what's just, you know, some random truth of man. And, like, who doesn't need those things? No one. No one doesn't need those things. And I just realized that this is 10 minutes long, so I'm going to speed through this a little faster. But anyways, the gift of the Holy Ghost is truly priceless. Um, And so we can't underestimate that. 
And a lot of a lot of churches don't have that. A lot of people are like, oh, I've already been baptized. But when you're like, well, have you gotten the gift of the Holy Ghost? They're like, the what? So it's unique to us, to God's church, because he wants to give that gift to his children who are entering into that covenant relationship with him. But the other quote that my father, my, yes, <laughs> he wanted me to talk about the quote, casual and inconsistent covenant keeping leads to spiritual casualty. So this one was pretty cool. Um, another kind of soul searching statement, but like there's a lot of things in this church that are so consistent that it becomes casual um, because it's like we take the sacrament every week. So is it is it a casual experience for us or is it a transformational? Is it transactional or transformational? Um, or like sometimes maybe we're like, oh yeah, I'm going to be really obedient with this. But then sometimes we're like, um, I don't really understand that rule. So I'm not going to be obedient, even though we make the covenant to be obedient in the temple. Um, different things like that. And that, like, that's just not how it works. <laughs> um, God, like, is willing to bless us, but we have to act to, like, get those blessings. And sometimes he just has tender mercies. But as far as covenants are concerned, like, the access of power that we have is is more, I think, than we understand. And so we have to not fall to spiritual casualty by being casual or inconsistent. Um and another thing he says is that people sometimes leave their covenants more, like, before they leave God's church. Um, and I think that's definitely true. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are currently attending sacrament meeting every week, and they aren't being obedient, or they're not um, putting as much value into their covenants or the things that they promise to do when they're at that sacrament meeting. And so, anyways... This was a really, really, really awesome talk, and it's all true, <laughs> all of it. So I'm sorry that that was so long, <laughs> but I'm sure my other podcast friends, um, let's see, I think it's both Rivka and Burke and Todd, question mark, all three right now. Um, I'm sure they also took a long time to talk about it, so, but yes. Anyways, until next time, guarde la fe. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.